Hello everyone and welcome to Talking Tolkien. Today we are discussing chapter 7 of book 1 of the Two Towers, Helm's Deep. So if you're familiar with the podcast, you know the first thing we do every day is On This Day in Middle-Earth, followed by a quick recap of the events of last week's readings and a longer recap of this week's readings, followed of course by our favorite things. So today is Thursday the 18th. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And did you say Holmes Deep? Like Holmes, like Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> Helms. Or Helms Deep. Yes, it is it is a it is a f- fortress built by the ancient Gondorians. Helms Deep, on like Baker the mayonnaise. Street. The ancient Gondorian super sleuth. Hellman's mayonnaise. Yes. So anyway, this is uh Thursday, February eighteenth. Katie, you want to take it away? Yes. So on February eighteenth, this day in Middle Earth, the Fellowship minus Gandalf, of course, sad face, uh, were currently navigating the Great River. They had just left Lothlorien about two days ago. Uh, Finally. Yeah. Coincidentally, however, I will tell you that yesterday, the 17th, is when Gwaihir takes Gandalf to Lorien. So that's how close the overlap is that, of course, we weren't privy to until just recently having re-encountered Gandalf, but now Gandalf the White. Gwaihir is the eagle. Yes. Right? Okay, good. I remember that. That, I should remember that because it was from earlier in this book we're currently reading. (laughs) That, That was not too long ago. All right, sounds good. Chase, you want to take it away with what we read last week? Well, Gandalf and the others got to what was it called again? It was it was called like I actually cannot Edoras. Edoras. Edoras, yes. You know what? That was I legitimately that was in my mind and I could not <laughs> just say it. And Theoden, the king of the Golden Hall, mm-hmm. was being basically talked to or basically being his mind was being poisoned by this bot guy named, um, based upon last episode, Wormtail, Wormtongue, Wormwood, <laughs> uh, Wormtongue. And Gandalf managed to put that all to an end. Theoden kind of refreshed himself, and they were leading a, a massive group of soldiers out towards, was it just towards the west? Yeah, they're It wasn't going, too descriptive about where they were going. They're going towards the west. Going yeah. towards the west. Mm-hmm. And Wormtongue had ran off into the wilderness. And that's it. It was an awesome chapter. Hi, everyone. John here to bug you to listen to my other podcast, As We Like It. I'm sure you've heard me talk about it before, where me and my friends Avon and Mark watch movies based on Shakespeare and talk about them. Just in time for Valentine's Day, we have for you another teen romantic comedy, the 2006 movie, She's the Man. Please check it out on theextracurricular.com. And now back to Talking Tolkien. All right, welcome back. And now we move on to chapter seven of book one of the two towers. That gets really complicated to say. It does. It does. I know I've messed it what up is... on a few like Twitter posts and stuff like that. 
What is the chapter count? I wonder for just like the Lord of the Rings. Are we like chapter I, forty of Lord of the Rings? No, or something? I don't. I don't know, but I, no, but I don't. I don't. I don't think it's that high. It's probably more like something, something chapter like that, thirty. That would also be way more confusing if we had because that's not the way. Yeah, that broken up. But anyway, I, I mean, you know what's even more com- confusing is we're currently reading the drawing of the three by Stephen King, and that's broken up. That book is broken up into like four different sections. And they all have their own chaptering system, <laughs> and it's stupid. So it's like I'm saying like drawing of the three Lady of the Shadows chapter three and I feel like a dummy. Oh, that's too much. But here we are, uh, book one of the Two Towers chapter seven, Helm's Deep. So as we remember, when last we left our heroes, Gandalf the White Rider and Theoden were leading uh, the Rohirrim along with. Legolas, Aragorn, and Gimli, of course, and they were riding off into the west. Theoden had decided he was going to lead uh, the Rohirrim into war uh, at, at Gandalf's urging. And so the group is continuing to ride into the west, and we have this great uh, description of, like, the the sun. They go on this day, and they ride for, like, five hours, and the sun sets, and it's, like, this fiery kind of burning across the horizon Mm -hmm. and everything is very you'll notice as we begin this chapter the atmosphere is really set up and the you know something is looming in the distance there's darkness and storm and kind of brooding off in the distance and it's very much foreboding what's to come for 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 foreboding foretelling for for, for telling for words i have words and they're english um (laughs) So after the first day and they rest and, you know, everything, they're getting back up to writing. And it was Gandalf who kind of comes back to Legolas and says, Legolas, your people have amazing eyesight. (laughs) Tell me what you can see. And Legolas is like, well, I can see a darkness. There are these shapes moving around. They're really big. They're on the bank of the river, but I can't really tell what they are. But underneath them is, is like a twilight as if under endless trees. Uh, we're flowing downwards from the hill, which is odd. Yeah, that's <laughs> odd, and I don't quite know what within universe we can compare that to. <laughs> but it made my brain go to a whole bunch of weird places that I I probably shouldn't talk about on the show. So <laughs> basically, I was like seeing like the world being unmade and things like that. But then I was realizing, no, 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 you're overthinking this. Well, what's to note, however, is that you know we know Legolas can see far off in the distance yeah right we know that his eyesight is much keener than his companions and here we have legolas basically he he's seeing kind of vague shapes in the distance that normally he should be able to make out but there's something that's kind of shrouding this like a mist that's that's the thing like i'm just like sitting there like reading that going is is what's what's he saying i don't i don't get it well, I mean, what have we seen before? With uh, again, we—it's not Nas School, is it? Like, no. it's not Ring Wraiths. No, but there, but there is some kind of like darkness and force that's kind of making things as they shouldn't be. Oh my God, is Morgoth stitching things in the background? <laughs> That'd well, be not a great Morgoth. twist. We, we don't have to worry about no, 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 no. But, but yeah, uh, so. You know the, the 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 darkness is even encroaching upon this and and preventing. Am I overthinking about this? Clearly. Am I like spin? Am I am I spending too much time like? I mean, making this a point. You know, don't worry too much about it. But it's it's just again the 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 atmosphere and the environment 
aptly reflects what's going on yeah, in the world. Okay. That's what's happening. It was here. one of those things when I read it, after I had read it, it kind of stuck with me so long that I wasn't actually paying attention while I was reading because I just kept thinking about what that section was talking about so i had to go back and reread a chunk what of this. did this shadow and mist mean okay i'm, I, I'm, well, I'm i just overthinking. really liked it i liked it because for me like in my academic study of architecture i'm really interested in space as a unit that is not really like like architecture that's not the walls and the floor and the ceiling yeah. but rather but just the like space the thingness of the space that you're occupying yeah so I really liked that that Legolas was like, well, I don't know what exactly it is that I'm seeing, but it reminds me of a shadow. Just like, like you take a like take a forest, remove the trees, but keep the shadow. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. it's almost like a uh, it's almost like a thought puzzle. Yeah, it's like the part in one of my favorite movies of all time, The Core, where they see an empty space in the Earth's core, and it's represented by static, hmm. and they freak out. And I just referenced The Core in 2016. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> I watched it recently. Uh, yeah, <laughs> about that movie. We watched that movie in my ninth grade science class because it was quote unquote scientific enough. Ain't no science in that movie. <laughs> we also watched the Jim Caviezel movie Frequency, so clearly she was uh, not too interested in verisimilitude. But we have anyway. <laughs> yeah, forget all this. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, there's there there's a weird shadow hanging over there. And so day two continues, and again, the air continues to get heavier. The entire environment, that's what we're really getting at here, is just, it's, it's, it's foreboding. There's yeah. the correct use of that word. And, uh, and, and gloomy, and something's brewing. And now comes forward a horseman who's kind of coming back, and he, uh, he asks for Aomer immediately. And because they're they're still not aware right that theoden has kind of come back to himself and yeah he's still thick and worm tongue is in power right, probably right so he asked for theoden and or not theoden he asked for aomer and uh basically tells them some not very good news no. yeah no 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 basically it seems that saruman is winning at this point like the orcs are very powerful they're you know the men are doing all that they can but they're being slain right and left and it's not going well. This this massive well, onslaught that, of that, orcs. And that um, Saruman has armed the wild men from Dunlan. Right. And that was an interesting point because this is, I feel like, the first time I have that we have encountered um, things other than orcs and weird dead former men who had, you know, rings and searching for other ring. Um working with Saruman that or working with Sar well working with Saruman and Sauron. Yeah. And that was interesting. Well, it's not actually the first time we've encountered it because we we see the we men of it. Numenor worked for Sauron several thousand years we ago. We saw it in the first That's page. what I meant. I, yeah. not in this book. I meant to say in the Lord of the Rings, but not but yes, yeah. but it's a direct connection back to the Silmarillion. And you know, that's interesting well, uh, too because uh it's, you know, it's showing just how susceptible uh, really anyone can be to to the enemy. Yeah. Well, um, also on the note, just that this is something that's recurring from both the Acalabath and the Silmarillion, uh, my friends Mark and Avon, the people I do my Shakespeare podcast with, and they, co- uh, they host The Endless Knot, which I have cited on the show before, uh, in their episode on Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, Avon was talking about how 
watching the new movie has changed her perception of the old movies and how that is something that's a very old tradition and the way that um was well, specifically in the way that the that movie kind of slavishly imitated the rhythm of a new hope um comparing that to what to the way that like dante imitated virgil virgil imitated homer um so you know it's it, it's it's part of this tradition and it, granted in this case it's tolkien imi- imitating tolkien but it's part of this tradition to have uh uh, epics kind of reinterpreting or sagas in this case reinterpreting themselves and referencing things in the past and you know this kind of gyre of a of a events kind of recircling and rehappening yeah so i think kind of specifically with with that it seems like a very um informed literary decision on tolkien's on tolkien's behalf yeah i would definitely agree um and so we've been informed that, you know, Sauron's forces are very strong, or Saruman, rather, his forces are very strong. And in, this includes the hillmen and the herd, the herd folk of Dunland. And we're told that basically a pretty large contingent has drawn back into Helm's Deep and are... Hold up there. Hold up there, yeah. There's, there's really nothing they can do at this point. Uh, Helm's Deep, the, the, it's, it's, it's very strong there, but they're kind of backed into a corner. So so at this point, they decide that they'll meet everyone at Helm's Deep and we get some kind of an exposition dump as to what Helm's Deep is. Uh, Helm's Deep is kind of a crevice in a mountain that gets really, really steep and narrow and where it gets super narrow they built a wall and then behind the wall, there's a tower called the Hornburg and it's called the Hornburg because there's a, a horn on top of it. And when you sound the horn, it kind of reverberates within the narrow Canyon in such a way that it sounds incredibly loud and incredibly foreboding. Furthermore, we get the knowledge that Helm's deep is said to have been built by the ancient Gondorians when they were still sea people. Mm-hmm. So what on earth could that mean? <laughs> <laughs> The ancient Gondorians, who were still sea people. Maybe Aragorn, when he gets there, is going to feel a weird. <laughs> Aragorn should feel his spidey senses. I, I belong here. Yeah. Well, well, and I don't mean to like constantly reference, um, Tolkien using like his knowledge of archaeology to inform this world. But I actually do mean to do that. And, what are you so. talking about? You, of course, yeah, it's important. Sh- <laughs> and you should because it's very true, and it, it it happens again and again. And that's one of the things that I love so much about uh, about his writing. Yeah. So this is like in the Middle Ages, you know, rich Italian family is taking refuge in the Colosseum and using that as a fortress. Or, um, I mean, there are just myriad examples of this. Any any town you go to in Italy is going to have incorporated Roman structures into other structures or they're going to use the Roman walls as their, you know, the civic defense walls mm-hmm. up until, you know, like basically the invention of the cannon. Right. So yeah, this is very much like, Oh, they're using this really old fortification because it works well. If it ain't, like that is just, that's yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, true. <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah. And so we, and we also hear of course that, the Hornburg, the Citadel there, has yet to have been taken. It's never fallen. Um, so, yeah, we, we get this kind of bit of info dump about where, where we're going to be headed. 
And uh, at this point, Theoden steps forward, and the messenger is like, "Oh, I didn't realize." Oh, you look great. You don't <laughs> yeah. look like a bag trash, man. It doesn't do all that. Uh, but but uh, you know, lays lays down his sword in front of the king, and of course, uh, pledges fealty to him as he should. And it's almost it's- like describe that. In a weird way, seeing Theoden mm-hmm. brings hope back into him. Well, it should because he seemed like really downtrodden, and like, well, this is all gone, this is all bust, whatever, and moving on. And then, like, you see Stain is like, oh, I'll, like, I'll oh, fight no. with the cause again. Yeah, we'll yeah, do that. The, you know, the the strength is coming back to our people. We have <laughs> yeah. our, we have our leader back. Yeah, it's very important. Um, and you know, Theoden says we we will ride into battle and we will go uh, to the aid of Erkenbrand, um, who is who was the king in 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 the West to where they're headed and oh no i might need another map (laughs) oh no at this point though we have a classic gandalf move um gandalf (laughs) tells them kind of just vaguely i have an errand i need to run uh you all need to go to helm's deep forget about isengard stay away from the plains of Isen. this is not good shadowfax let's go and then gandalf (laughs) yeah leaves uh, he like just like pieces out. They're like, "What? No! What? Why? We we're, we we got stuff to do." Yeah, and they and they even comment about it. And I I, I really liked that little exchange because basically it was kind of like so what, I, that was very vague. I don't know. And it was like that that was typical Gandalf behavior. Gandalf uh, speaks in <laughs> riddles. He he does what he pleases. Don't worry about it. It'll all be good. We should well, do what he told us. It, I think it was Aomer who said if. If Grima were here, he would find like the super sketchy, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If Wormtongue would, were here, he would be complaining. And yeah. if Bilbo was here, he'd be like, "Figures." <laughs> right? Yeah. Bilbo is very does. used to Gandalf just piecing out. When the going gets tough, the Gandalf gets going. <laughs> yep. Hey, but Gandalf always comes back stronger and with and with reinforcements. Gandalf always shows up when it's something you couldn't handle yourself. This yeah, this that's is That's always seems to be Gandalf's prerogative. Exactly. And, this and that is, doesn't that still holds true within this chapter. This is like I said, this is classic Gandalf behavior. Um So so yeah, the you know, now they say okay, we're we're going to take his advice. We are going to go to Helm's Deep. And so now they turn a bit southwards. Um and they ride on. And uh, when they reach Helm's Deep, they they enter and they're met with enthusiasm because clearly they're needed. Yeah. Numbers are needed here. They've got maybe about, I think it was a thousand people hold up. Um, but there were also a lot of women and children. And many of the people there are either very young or very old. Many of the men are very young or very old. Um, so, yeah, we need sheer numbers of force uh, to, to get through this oncoming battle. Yeah. And, and, it, and, it's, and again, it, it's back to that whole thing of, you know, even though they have a ton of soldiers with them, it's still not like, again... The word foreboding, like it's just there is an oppressiveness to everything. Even the descriptions well, and, you know, of the of, of Helm's Deep kind of feel like, uh. And they talk about like trying to hold the mouth to the valley, which they call Helm's Dyke, but you know they decide that they don't have enough men to do it because it's a mile wide and there would be, you know, too too large of a gap in, in their defenses to make it worthwhile. Right. So it, they said it was something like we have uh, you know a thousand good men, but that's not enough 
to hold it from this strategic point. Right. So things are not really looking great. Um, so we're going to Thermopylae. This <laughs> I was literally <laughs> about to say that. Wow. <laughs> yes, exactly. Few, few people against a massive onslaught. <laughs> and in addition to this, you know, once, so once they had in and his men arrive at the, at the deeping wall, they learn that Erkenbrand is not here. Yeah. Um, as they had hoped he would be. And it doesn't look like he's going to make it there because there, there are orcs all over the plains and they're just, again, just rampaging. Um, and so, again, things are looking dire. And in addition to that, there's not a whole lot of provisions. And Theoden and the Rohirrim did not bring a whole lot of provisions because they were kind of expecting to just ride out straight into yeah. battle, slay a bunch of orcs, and then be done with it. They were not expecting to go to Helm's Deep and try to hold it in this longer kind of siege. So they, uh, they're they not really prepared. Well, and also, like, they don't necessarily know when anything's going to hit them. Right. There were there was also a sense of like uh, we're kind of like moving very quickly to kind of stop and wait. Yeah, it, exactly. It, it's it's a hurry up and wait situation mm-hmm. right now. Uh, but then we do have this nice little moment where so they they get to the deeping wall and Gimli approves. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I really kind of enjoyed <laughs> that moment because Gimli Gimli's like, "There's really good rock here, and this this area is very strong. I can feel it." Gimli feels really good next to mountain, and yeah. it just and it talks about like almost like the dwarf sensibilities to yeah. be near a mountain and feeling somewhat like everything's going to be all right, feeling at home. And well, so and he says, you know, I wish I had more dwarves here so I could fortify this place. And Legolas is like. You know, I don't doubt it, but you're a dwarf and dwarves are kind of weird. And still, <laughs> I feel better having you here next to me. I see. I liked that too. Yeah, because Legolas I, does not share necessarily Gimli's sen- sentiment no. about this area, but he does feel better having Gimli there. And then Legolas says, I also wish I had a hundred archers from Mirkwood with me. Mm-hmm. But he also says they have archers here who are qualified and great archers. They just don't have enough of them. Right. So I like how... I like how Legolas here is like really rounding out and he's like, I'm glad you're here, Gimli. I'm glad the men are here. I wish there were else here to help out, but we're in pretty capable hands. Like Legolas is getting a little chill. <laughs> Legolas is becoming a weird optimist. See, well, and also again, th- the importance of this friendship that is so unlikely is really showing here too. Yeah. Um, which is something that you know previously would you, you you wouldn't have heard an elf say something like that very often. Um, so it's it's this is another mark of something that I value so much about the dynamic between Legolas and Gimli. Um, additionally, I like that Gimli is ready to cut off some orc heads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much he, so. He mentions having on, having only used his axe to cut wood since Moria, and he's <laughs> he's he's ready to 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 kill some orcs. Um, so yeah, again, you know, it's been hurry up and wait, and now we're coming up uh, upon midnight, and finally the storm lets loose, and there's a great strike of lightning and a crash of thunder, and it starts pouring rain, and then like. Like a wave out of the night. Yeah. Just hundred. Well, I don't know how many there were exactly, but just a countless amounts of orcs mm-hmm. just basically show up and slam against the wall. 
not okay. Yeah, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, so before then, though, the orcs they kind of show up, and they're not. They don't have torches or anything like that. They're they're coming in in the night. Yeah, and they're being super like sneak. They're not really as sneaky as like thousands of orcs can be, <laughs> and they just start shooting off arrows right up into Helm's Deep, and they're shooting arrows up there, and they're just kind of bouncing off the walls and stuff like that, and then. They kind of get weirded out because there's no response from inside Helm's Deep. Right. And in fact, inside of Helm's Deep, they kind of hold off for a while. And it's this really great moment where, like, I just imagine the orcs are just, like, shooting arrows and, like, freaking out. But then kind of going, wait, are we at the wrong, like, <laughs> fortress? You know, are we at the wrong ancient fortress or something? Well, this one seems empty. And honestly, that moment right there kind of, for me... Uh, echoed a lot of what we'd had from earlier in the chapter and what we will continue to have throughout this chapter, which is basically narrative suspense. For me... Um, oh, sorry, continue, Katie. Oh, I was just going to say that, you know, this 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 chapter, this entire chapter is very tense. Again, we had this setup of, like, the atmosphere and how gloomy and, and thick the air is. And we had this quite, like, you know, there... It was a hurry up and wait. We don't know what's happening. And then now all of a sudden the orcs basically attack with no warning. There's no like battle cry or anything, you know, that yeah. you would expect we just have suddenly arrows flying as thick as the rain is in, in the, in the writing, which is also really great. Um, and, you know, it'll continue throughout the chapter too. this just suspenseful moment. And we don't know how anything's going, going to turn out. And no. at that moment, the orcs are on the receiving end of that. For me, it reminded me of uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, actually. Really? Oh, with the <laughs> Where they like never know what castle to go to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they're Did like, we show oh, up at the right we're at the one? right castle. And then like the film just ends. Yeah. Oh, now I want to watch that movie again. But anyway, finally, after a little while... Uh, they do answer and they answer back with arrows and with stones throwing down on the orcs and uh, more arrows are launched on each side. And now the battle's kind of swinging in full force and we've got battering rams and orcs using with, grappling, yeah, hooks grappling hooks and hooks ladders, and ladders and stuff like that. And they like, they can't cut them down fast enough because the moment they cut one down, like two take its place. I'm just imagining with this, it's like, because we're also told about like the, the, the the pile up of bodies at the bottom of the wall too, of, of orc bodies. Uh, I, I just get like the orc horde that I'm visualizing. is just like, I don't know, ants. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like streaming up over the wall. Starship troopers where like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Where the arachnids are trying to get up over the wall, but piling up on the dead. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just nasty. Well, there's like a little side door that some orcs get through Mm -hmm. and, uh, Aomer and Aragorn like rush to defend it and drive them back. And And then, sorry. Oh yeah. That's what I was just remembering this, this great moment because there are orcs that were playing dead. And then they hop up and attack yeah. him, yeah. And uh, I just love this moment because, like, it says, Guthwine cried Eomir. Guthwine for the mark. Andoril mm-hmm. cried Aragorn. Andoril for the Dunedain. I'm like, <sighs> it almost reminds me of when you're a kid and you're, like, playing lightsabers. And you're, like, making the lightsaber noise. And you're like, vroom, vroom, vroom. 
or whatever. They're like, yeah, go sword. No, Come no, on, no, sword, no. sword. Y- you know what it is? It's more like Pokemon where you're I saying choose that, you. Yeah, where you're saying like what the Pokemon is saying, which is their name over and over again. That's what it was more like. I mean, I guess it's just me, but for me, it's just battle cry. It's like, hey, Andreal is here to slay some orcs, and indeed, you know, Andreal like flashes in 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 the night and has is gives a lot of great inspiration and hope to to. Uh, uh, to everyone who sees the great sword coming back to and like people ex- exclaim too that Andreal is is really uh, a, a, a great force to have yeah um but also at this moment so you know they you know Aomer uh, and Aragorn uh kind of defeat the orcs that have been trying to uh ram through this gate and then so they turn around to run away and it turns out some of the orcs had been playing dead and one of them reaches up and tries to and, and trips Aemir. And then from out of the shadows, screaming, Khazad, uh, is Gimli. And he just, his axe comes swinging down and slays. Like, beheads like two of them. Yeah, beheads yeah. two orcs. Finally gets to behead some yeah. orcs. And notes that, hey, Legolas, I got two. Yeah. What have you got? And Legolas is like, I already have like a dozen. And yeah, now we have the beginning of this great... Uh, contest between Legolas and Gimli well, to so slay the first, most orcs. First, Aemir is like, Gimli, son of Glowen, how glad I am that you are here. Right. Uh, and then Legolas, he's like, oh, well, I'm at 20, but that is only a few leaves in a forest. <laughs> like <laughs> right. the most poetic, like, oh, I've only killed 20 people. Like, really, only 20. there's a lot more out there. Bunch yeah. of weirdos. <laughs> um, but I also really like, too, we get a couple references throughout this chapter as well of Legolas needing to replenish his arrows. And that's important to note. He doesn't just have an endless quiver. Uh, you know, he, he runs out of arrows just like the rest of us. Well, and also, like, it, it becomes like a problem with everybody in Helm's Deep that they're just running out of arrows. Right. Yeah. That, they've, they've, that, sp- they've spent their arrows. And Legolas is starting to, like, having to, like, resort to his knife. Mm-hmm. And... Z- is it plural or is it singular? I can't remember. Knives. Is, is, is he have like one two, or two? Isn't it the two that he was he has, given by Gladriel? He has, yeah, he has two. The two, right. Yeah, that's right. I believe he has two daggers. Two knives to stab them all. <laughs> oh, my. Um, but, yeah, the, and, you know, people's, the, like, swords are being dented and, you know, shields are being cloven in two and stuff. And, yeah, things. it's it's a hard-fought battle. Um, and they're they're growing tired and this battle's been going on for for hours well and they're just being overwhelmed because it says like you know the orcs are throwing grappling hooks and trying to pull up ladders and for every grappling hook that they cast down another one comes up and they're just like a hydra yeah there aren't enough men to be able to throw down all the ladders and cut all the ropes additionally the orcs seem to be growing rather than diminishing um yeah they're just they just keep coming there 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 seems to truly be no end to them it's, it is like every orc in Urukai in the area has shown up. Wait, hold on. Did I say that wrong? No, that's right. There's a distinction between the two. Yep. Okay. Yep, I thought for different. a second, for a moment there, I was like, well, it's like orc, and then it's just Urukai's within or I don't know. Um, these are mostly specifically Saruman's forces, so it's mostly yeah. Urukai. Um, so but, the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, again, the... The, the the Rohirrim uh, and and the, the the men at Helm's Deep are 
growing weary and Aemir and Aragorn are trying to rally the troops and they but try so tired right and they try like three times and you know again Anduril is you know slaying orcs and it's it's providing inspiration but still it's we're growing weary and it, it well, the enemy doesn't seem to be weakening well and they get pushed back to the area that they were holding the horses in right which was which was guarded but the guards were also having to fight orcs as well that had mm-hmm. slipped through so they're all being pushed back there, and eventually, like, they're like, what are we going to do? And is it Thaden? Someone suggests that they should just ride out. Well, first what happens is there's this huge explosion. Oh, yes. Right, because they're exhausted, and suddenly there's this blast, and they're talking yeah. about the... They don't say sorcery, but they say they say sorcery, right? Something, something of... Or thank. Well, yeah, Aragorn Uh-oh. says they brought the fire of Orthanc, I yeah, think, the fire is the word that he yeah. says. But yeah, he says, you know, what is this sorcery or whatever. But um, yeah, so basically what's happened is um, the Urukai have used this kind of like nasty liquid thing and set it on fire and blown a hole in, in the wall now. So Gimli actually goes in there and, you know, relishes the chance to... <laughs> kill some more orcs um and then they try they try to rebuild it but basically orcs are getting in now to this back area and we're getting pushed farther and farther back um and but that's when they regroup yeah is is after the explosion and aragorn's like there was an explosion it was weird right and so tired oh god aragorn and he's talk. Aragorn is talking with Gamling um, and Eomer, and they're kind of all worrying a bit about the day when 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 the day dawns. And uh, you know they they are reminded. You know, well, Aragorn ha- has has this feeling of hope. He says that you know the dawn always comes with good things for man. Yes. Um, but then again, we're we're reminded. Yeah, but these orcs. They don't, can fight in the day. Yeah, they can fight in the they day. They don't care. Um, but then, and then Aragorn again asks, well, hasn't, I mean, the Hornburg has never been taken as long as men hold it, so we should still hold out hope. Aragorn is still clinging desperately to the last bit of hope that he has. Um, but hope is not victory. Yeah, hope is not victory. BTW, indeed. hope is not victory. <laughs> Um, and they've they've retreated. Uh, now they're back to where the horses are. Yeah. They, well, there's there's another blast, and orcs are streaming in, and they have to retreat now up up the stairs. Um, and you know, and Legolas like uses his very last arrow to protect Aragorn, and they 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 run up and barricade themselves behind this. They also this door. can't find Gimli. Right. Yeah, Gimli has say, Legolas complains that he can't find Gimli because he wants to. He's at thirty nine now. Right. <laughs> and Again, yeah. Aragorn is like, well, I think Gimli's probably in the caves, which will make him happy, and a very efficient fighter in such a small space. Right. Um, so Gimli is not here, and then immediately after we notice, Eomer is not there either. Um, and then Aragorn kind of has this little catch-up meeting with Theoden, um, because things are looking even more dire now. Uh, where they're basically holed up in the last possible safe place they could have here. And, you know, Aragorn is worrying about protecting the king. 
and 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 Theoden at this moment is very doubtful that they're going to make it out of there. Yeah. And again, doubts the council of Gandalf. He says, you know, I wish I hadn't taken. <laughs> yeah. Taken very, his yeah. council. Um, which Aragorn is quick to kind of correct him. He says, don't. Don't regret Gandalf's counsel until all is said and done. Until we're dead, <laughs> then you can regret it. But well, right he, now, he, we're he, still he doesn't say regret. He specifically says judge. Yeah. 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 Don't judge it until it's not over till the fat lady sings. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, well, I mean, um, no, that's a reference to the ring cycle, which, as we know, is very influential to Tolkien. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was not wrong to say that. Um. So, yeah, now, again, you know, Aragorn is, you know, we still have the hope of the dawn to come. And Theoden agrees at dawn they will ride out. Um, and Aragorn will go, too. Well, and, then, and then now Aragorn, like, kind of, like, pokes out. Yeah. Ab- um, above, like, I'm just imagining him, like, poking out on this, like, mountainside. Just surrounded by this sea of orcs. And they're like, what, 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 what? What, 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 what? No, sorry, they're not doing that. But they're just like... But they're jeering. Yeah, they're like, what are you doing? We can fight in the... And he, like, and Aragorn notes that he sees, like, the pale pink of, like, the dawn coming. Like, it's just right there. Yeah. And they're like, we don't care. We can fight in the day. We can fight in the night. Who, We're, who, we are whatever. the fighting Uruk-hai. Yeah. Um, they, have, they have a spat at each other. They do. Kind of, yeah. But, and Aragorn, though, tells them... With dawn comes your doom. <laughs> we had just great, great uh, trash talking happening right now. Yeah. Um, and with much dawn comes great doom. I yeah. Don't know. <laughs> right. But again, at this moment, when he he basically tells the Urukai, "You're going down." Um, it's another moment where Aragorn is this like regal and powerful figure uh, that appears before us, and. Aragorn's words kind of seem to affect the wild men, if not the orcs necessarily. Yeah, they kind of hesitate. They're yeah. like, uh, this might not be good for us. Right? Yeah. We may have picked the wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> and it's at this moment now that the gate falls. Uh, the gate that the orcs have been battering against. Um, Which, I mean, then... I will say the way that they're described is pretty cool. Like holding the shields above them and carrying... The battering ram between them on the on the ramp. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, yeah. We the orcs are showing. You know, they they they're not a weak enemy. They have a strategy. They got smarts. Yeah, yeah. They're they're kind of um, tactically sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Even if they're nasty. Is this one like the horn rings out? Yes. The horn bl- oh, yeah. The horn blare is great. Which is just great because it's yeah the horn like blasts and again it echoes around the mountainside because that's the effect of this horn it sounds like there's you know multiple answering horns from from different like sentinels around around the valley uh and it's echoing this great huge boom and now appears king theoden in all of his glorious horse lord splendor yeah and his horse is gleaming white and uh, Aragorn is at his right, and behind him are all of the lords of the house of Eor. And he yells, Forth Eorlingas, which is the best. It's the best. This is some real legendary stuff. Yes. Yeah, it's it's very, like, this, wow, this is this is something to be pay, paying attention to. It's, it's, you know, this is mythic proportions. And the way that Tolkien has written this whole, whole battle, you know, this isn't how... 
you know, this is this is a mythic legendary battle uh, that that's being written. And indeed, you know, we have the dawn coming and this great horn and out jumps the, the, the king with great splendor. And he rides forth with, you know, his host behind him. And they're just like hammering at orcs and slaying them as they go. I know it's like this big, deep, awesome horn, but my brain just went to just the air horns. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. It could be Sorry. like a tugboat, you know, like. It's yeah. It's like a reverberating, you know. Wah, wah, wah. No, it's much more majestic <laughs> than that. <laughs> it's much more majestic. Sorry, but yes, they they ride out. It's great. They're just slaughtering everything well, near them. But then, what what do they see when they ride out? It says the land had changed. Yeah. Where before so, the green dale had lain. It's grassy slopes lapping the ever-mounting hills. There now a forest loomed. Right. Weird. Yeah. Super weird. So, um, and the orcs, of course, are terrified. Um, and turns out Aragorn was right. And they go to their doom now. And basically the only place, because additionally, so at this moment, Theoden rides out and the landscape has changed. And then we look and see... Uh, a, a horseman clad in white suddenly appears. Oh, I wonder who that is. In the distance. Yeah, who do we know who's a horseman <laughs> clad in white? Oh, the white rider. Uh, and turns out Gandalf has come back with Shadowfax and he's leading who else but Erkenbrand. Mm-hmm. Um, and about a thousand men on foot and they just come charging in too. And any of the orcs and men that are left pretty much... Turn they're screwed. And they're run. They run. Mm-hmm. Some some stick around, but some mostly run. They don't really know what to do. They yeah, don't they really just... have anywhere to go. And so basically they run into the forest and they never come out of it again. Yeah, they disappear. Well, it doesn't specifically say um, like they ran in, into the shadow of the forest. and Yeah. yeah. And... Wailing, they passed under the waiting shadow of the trees. And from that shadow, none ever came again. Yeah. So I like how we invoked the shadow at the beginning and like here is the shadow again. Right. Oh, I'm nice? not very smart. <laughs> I should have picked that one up. Uh. But yeah, um, the, like, you know, like I was just saying, this, this, this chapter and this battle sequence is so mythic in the way that it's told. You know, Theoden rides out at just the right moment uh the 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 trees have moved like the forest has moved forward at just the right moment gandalf reappears at just the right moment um it's it's just it's great it's it's legendary and it's it's one of the most like dramatic moments that we've had so far yeah especially in this book no you know what yes most dramatic period so far in the whole thing. Yeah. Like, there was even something that was more dramatic than the Battle of Five Armies. Because the Battle of Five Armies, Bilbo got knocked out, so we missed most of it. Right, so we got to witness this battle. Yeah, we got to see it. Is this like a moment of silence for the people who passed away during the battle? No. no, this is just. I mean, we're, I'm. I'm I've, We're all just gathering my commentary. You lost your train of thought. <laughs> God, I, I almost said thought. <laughs> well, do we have any more comments before we move on to our favorites? 
thought rot. I said all my things. This chapter abruptly ended for me, though. I, I thought it was going to go on a little bit longer. I thought we were going to get some Gandalf exposition about what was going on, but nope. I, I kind of uh, really like the abrupt ending of the chapter as well, though, because, I mean, think about the way the battle started just very abruptly. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and then yeah. it ends very abruptly, too. Yeah. It's kind of nice. It is just, yeah. Just ends. I, it's more of like what I expected, not necessarily yeah. like I have a problem with it. I don't I don't have a problem with it. Just not what I expected. Yeah. Not what I'm used to. Tolkien <laughs> has trained me to be like expecting Gandalf <laughs> exposition when he shows up. And then he threw you off. And he threw me off, yes. Well, okay, so my favorite part, I already I already brought it up when we were discussing it, but was like Legolas mellowing out and learning to appreciate other like cultures. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, not that Legolas was like particularly ever uh, like super snobby, but the elves in general have been. So yeah. it's, it's nice to see him be so like excited to include other people. Yeah. Um, my favorite moment from the text, I mean, if it wasn't already clear, is Theoden riding out with Aragorn at dawn. It That's was really cool. It was just so great. I, I, like, I, I love me a good battle charge, and, you know, there are going to be more throughout this book, um, but, and, you know, and I've said it before, too, even just with, with Aragorn, like, yelling Elendil and, like, crashing through into something, I love that. Theoden screaming forth Aerlingas and just riding out and slaying all the orcs. Yeah. Great. Loved it. I will say, I know we're trying to limit our discussion of the movies to the movie episodes, but fourth Aerlingas, oh, wow, I just said that. I messed <laughs> up. Fourth Aerlingas is the best track on the Two Towers soundtrack. It is, and it make, it gets me a little teary-eyed. <laughs> I have two favorites from that soundtrack, and it's that one. But there's all no, I'm th- we're th- we're thinking of the same one. Never mind. <laughs> I thought there were two different tracks, but no, you're. I, we're both thinking. I was the same actually track. referencing yep. that soundtrack earlier today because I was at the Metropolitan Museum of Art with my coworker, and uh, we were in the instruments gallery, and there was a like, a keyed fiddle that's played by like a tension wheel, and I was mm-hmm. I was like explaining to her how it worked, and I was like you know the Rohan theme in the Two Towers movie? She's like, yeah. I was like, it was played on an instrument very similar to this. It's mm-hmm. basically like a violin, but it gives you a kind of an earthier sound. Yeah, I can see that. And that theme is one of my favorites from from oh, yeah, all of the soundtracks, yeah. too. Especially when it comes back, hardcore, and Return of the King. But let's not talk about that right now. Yeah. We'll get to that soon. We'll get into that later. <laughs> my favorite part was a little section that we, we skimmed right over. Mm. But, I mean, it's just, it's just a bit of dialogue. Or it's just... It's just something from Gimli that I really, really liked. And it definitely was my favorite thing, which was basically, he just says, they, this is like when they first get to Helm's Deep, and he just says, Indeed, it is time for sleep. Sleep! <laughs> I feel the need of it, as never I thought any dwarf could. Writing is tiring work, yet my axe is restless in my hand. Yeah. And that's what he says, give me a row of orf, or, orc necks. I almost oh. said orphan necks. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. But yeah, just his bit of like, I need sleep. Sleep! We <laughs> <laughs> this is great. We've all been able to relate to Gimli there before. Yeah. So. <laughs> Imagine riding a horse is really tiring. It is tiring. Yeah. It's it's a whole body workout. Yeah. Uh, so when I was listening to, uh, not last week's episode, but two weeks ago, um, I forgot that I had made that they're taking the hobbits to Isengard pun. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I... Well, I like stopped listening to that episode with like 15 minutes left. And then we recorded last week's episode 
And so a couple days ago, <laughs> I was made like, a oh, I never finished this episode. So I listened he to it again. <laughs> and the thing is, like, I had cut off after I had made Katie say they're taking the Hobbits to Isengard. And uh-huh. since I hadn't listened to it for a few days, I totally forgot about that. So I was just <laughs> listening to us winding the episode down. And then the and episode then- <laughs> ended with they're taking the Hobbits to Isengard. And I was sitting on the subway and I just burst out laughing. You're welcome. Yeah. To the listeners, <laughs> I throw in little Easter eggs when I'm recording or I'm yeah. editing. Every, Not all the time, but most of the time. Every now and then, yeah, there are tidbits that. So always <laughs> you listen might to the enjoy. end of episodes. <laughs> uh, well, any recommendations or exciting news from the past week? I, I yeah, I've got one. And it's not something I've discovered new. It's actually something I've loved for a very, very, very long time. But it's something I kind of forgot about. And then for about six months, I forgot about it. And I've kind of come back to it. And that's the, it's another podcast. It's called the Smartest Man in the World podcast from uh, comedian Greg Proops. Greg Proops. And I hadn't listened to it in a while. And it was like one of those things of like, I was feeling like really sad and tired beginning of this year. And then the moment I picked that back up and started listening to it again this week, I was like, Man, Greg Proops makes me just—he just like re-energizes me. I can't explain it. The man is just great, and I've realized that a lot of things I say in my everyday life comes from Greg Proops. <laughs> he is like my—he's he, my wise man. He's my—he's the man I aspire to be. Is Greg Proops? Uh, and I always recommend that podcast if you just want a podcast for a very drunken comedian. <laughs> Talks about feminism and other things. It's a great that's, podcast. Yeah, that's a great one to listen to. And just to. rails against about like old celebrities. You know, like he's recently talked about like David Bowie and Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. And it was just great because he doesn't like get sad. He just kind of like talks about how crazy they were and how great. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what made me like feel good again was listening to him talk about Alan Rickman and David Bowie. Because David Bowie is crazy and we will always love him and remember him for being insane. Yeah. But I recommend the Smartest Man in the World podcast. Yeah, I actually haven't listened to it in a while either. You I'll should. Have to, I'll have to get back. You should. It. Yeah, I think it still downloads, but I I think like I just like you know like I said I had stopped listening to it for a while. I, so I, I probably I have, have a, bunch a cycle. Of backlog. I have a cycle of like five different podcasts, and sometimes yeah. my favorite podcasts get pushed to the side because I listen to a bunch of media podcasts and like mm-hmm. like on the media and another round and things like that, and us and <laughs> like so sometimes I forget about my favorite podcasts. Yeah. So. I listen to a ton of podcasts. I listen to too many. <laughs> no, I totally understand that. And I've actually been ironic since we're recording a podcast right now, but I've been severely cutting back on my podcasts lately, uh, largely because I've committed to reading a lot more. And the time I would be reading is when I'm commuting, which is also the time I would be listening to podcasts. So I'm taking a little sabbatical from a lot of podcasts. It's kind of nice though. Like it's, it's nice not feeling like I have to listen to every single episode and letting myself just listen to ones that sound like super yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, another round did an episode with, uh, and I and and I had listened to it previously, but I went back and listened to it again because their episode this week was interesting, where they interviewed Hillary Clinton, and that was a really good episode. And I and I went back and re-listened to that, but it was really funny. This is a random aside, but I had some friends in town. And I was hanging out with them. And I realized that we all grafted to a specific NPR podcast in a very different way. Like yeah. one really like holds up like pop culture happier. One holds up uh, this American life, and I hold up uh, on the media. And it was a weird moment of like we just three rally around like three different NPR podcasts, and it says a lot about us. But also the fact we were able to make that statement is a weird sign of the future. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. So for me. 
This is a very specific recommendation, but if anybody's in the New York City area, you mm-hmm. should go to the Metropolitan Museum before, I think it's March 19th, because there's a special exhibit. It's not really an exhibit. It's just a special setup at the Temple of Dindor, which is the Egyptian temple in the Northern Gallery of the Met, where they're using a projector to project the original colors onto the wall of the temple because um, ancient Egyptian sculptures and wall carvings and temples were all painted and not a lot of that paint survives. And the same is true of ancient Roman statues and ancient Roman buildings and the ancient Greek. I mean, everything in the ancient world was painted and very little of the paint survives. So anyway, what's really cool is you're using a projector to project the colors onto the side of the temple. So you get an image of what it would have looked like when, you know, before uh, all the paint had eroded away. It was just super neat. That's why I went That's today. Cool. That's, That's a really great really idea. Cool. It's, yeah. it's, it was really exciting to me because it's like, it's, it's, it's restoration, but it's non-invasive and you can like right. turn it on and off. Like it's just super cool. So if you don't get the option to go, you can always, you know, search online. You can tweet at me. I can send you a picture of it. Um, well, if it's if it's the room I'm thinking of, like when I was in there, I remember it being like very stark, like the like tan, like the the kind of like beige to white of the stones with the like kind of like black interior of the room. So that would really pop in a way. I, I'm very. I, that, I hope. Are, are there pictures online at least of this? Um, there was one on the New York Times website. If you just search okay. for Temple of Dendur, D-E-N-D-U-R, on NewYorkTimes.com, you'll get the article about it. Okay. Cool. Um, well, my recommendation this week is a music recommendation. Um, I, it was, I was actually listening to it while I was reading this chapter, and it was very fitting. And it's a... Um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. It's it's either Vardruna or Ward, Wardruna. I don't know. Um, but it's this kind of like dark nordic folk kind of music and they they did the uh soundtrack for the vikings the tv show oh okay um and it's it's just really great and it it, like i said it was so fitting i was listening to i was reading this chapter and it was like there was a, a track i forget which track it was but it like totally lined up exactly with the battle of helm's deep so i it was it was great and i i i'm a big fan of that it's kind of like good ambiance yeah. sort of music to have and i like i could imagine like i like to make silly silly uh soundtracks for while i run <laughs> oh <laughs> and, i make silly challenge tricks for everything in my life don't yeah, worry some you know sometimes i like listening to like you know like kind of poppy music that gets you pumped up but every now and then i uh especially because i do this like running game where yeah. you're running from zombies um <laughs> And so I sometimes I'll make soundtracks for it, and I like to have kind of like creepy ambiance, weird sort of dark music in the background. And I'm totally <laughs> making one now with this uh, Wardruna music. I'm I'm gonna run with that now. It's it's it sounds awesome. So yeah, uh, if you like that kind of music, check it out. God, you can. I can't. I found out recently I can't do music while I'm reading. Really? Yeah, it just doesn't work for me. I, like I can it. I could do music in the background, podcast for like anything else in my life, but when it comes to like reading. I've realized I just get through because I, I I've sat and read like the other day I sat and read the rest of Jurassic Park and that was like th- three hundred pages something like that like ridiculous I just powered through the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it has to be the right kind of music, you know. Again, it's sort of like ambiance. Like yeah, I actually will that listen kind of to thing. like music with lyrics and stuff when I'm reading, but I can't turn it up above a certain volume. 
Mm-hmm. And I only do it when I'm riding the train and I'm using it to kind of like shut out the other noise. Okay, I could see that. If you're in a public situation, I think, I, I mean, I'm, I'm on a plane. I, I sometimes need that. But also like the headphones feel better in my ears when the pressure is going up and down. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we need to wrap this up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, once again, I want to thank our Patreon supporters. We actually were just able to purchase a couple more um, uh, mic arms and pop filters, which we're using today. So uh, Chase and I are no longer hunched over oh, like yeah. like Gollum over a, 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 a nice slimy fish. We're like sitting up straight with microphones in front of our faces. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're not p- holding up our microphones on boxes. Yeah, yeah. and it's listen great. listen to our plosives and how perfectly uh, muddled <laughs> they are, and they don't cause a spike when we puff air into the microphone. When we pop, <laughs> pecorino uh, poplar. Pecorino. Oh, now I want cheese. Uh, but yes, thank you so much to our Patreon supporters. Thank you to uh, Ariel Alm, Brian Osborne. Michael Smith, Jacob Verma, Benjamin John Macy, Mike Williams, Micah, and Avon McMaster. We really do appreciate it so much. It helps us every little bit. Uh, and I wanted to say, um, if you are awaiting your Patreon a reward, because I know several of you have subscribed to our different reward tiers, we are currently kind of revamping our website to make it a little easier to get that to you. So uh, we appreciate your patience. And uh, one last question or request, I guess, since we haven't done this in a while. If you guys wouldn't mind logging on to iTunes and giving us a five-star rating, we'd really appreciate it, especially if you write something that's super helpful um, because we've been at 26 five-star ratings for about a month now, and I'd really love to get to 30. (laughs) So thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. Uh, And next week, we will be reading Chapter 8. The Road to Isengard. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at talkingtolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at talkingtolkien.com. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a rating and review. We also have a Patreon account where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space. Every little bit is appreciated. Okay, I gotta go to Derby. Oh my god. (laughs) Not the air horn. Good thing I didn't throw out the fart one. (laughs) Yeah, get out of here. You're running late. I had to delete the fart thing off my phone because I wouldn't.